Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode 21, Travis, I think. I think I wasn't counting. Uh, episode 21, yes, 21 of the Marty Smith podcast here at Outsider. We got all kinds of stuff to discuss today. Uh, I had a big weekend in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, I had a big week in Nashville, Tennessee. Travis's Ohio State Buckeyes continue to ascend through the ranks. Wesley Blankenship's Georgia Bulldogs hold serve in Knoxville to remain the number one team in the country. And uh, I want to start, though, by once again thanking our veterans. Uh, last week was Veterans Day week, and I met a whole lot of you at SEC Nation, Marty and McGee, at the CMAs, at the Eric Church Show in Thompson Bowling Arena. And I just want to say one more time on behalf of every one of us that's involved at Outsider, how grateful we are for you. Uh, no doubt. When you get a moment to hear the stories of our veterans, it sure does make our daily frivolity seem pretty weak and pretty small. What they do, I just got done reading a book, fellas. Uh, first of all, good morning. Thank you again for joining us, Travis and Wes, with me today, Brandon's back there behind the board. He'll chime in when random things like American Girl Dolls come up. Um, I just got done reading a book called Countdown Bin Laden. It's mm. by Chris Wallace. Uh, I think Chris is with Fox News. I should know that, but all of you would know his face and, and certainly his work. And it's an unbelievable account of the 247 days between the moment that the CIA operatives brought the information about the compound in Abbottabad, I think is the right way to say it, Pakistan, to Leon Panetta, then the CIA director, and the wheels began to turn to our SEAL Team 6 badasses putting a bullet in Osama bin Laden's head. It's a fascinating account. And Chris took, you know, cobbled together a lot of the reporting on all the various networks. Uh, he had personal, lengthy interviews with not only SEAL Team members, but with government officials, uh, their accounts. And it was just a fascinating read. And again, it was yet another reminder for me what's going on, uh, what our military is doing that we don't know to make sure that they preserve our freedom. So thank you guys and gals for that. You are amazing. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up, Marty. Um, I've been reading through the John Krakauer book about Pat Tillman um, called Where Men Win Glory. And, uh, you know, that's a little bit different side a little bit different account um but he talks about the training he went through and everything that happened um in those early days in iraq and, and just all the stuff that can't be predicted that uh can go wrong and uh I, I don't know i mean when you read the actual words and actually immerse yourself in the things that are actually going on over there and have gone on um in any number of wars it personalizes it in a way that, like you said, removes us immediately from our daily frivolity. I think that was a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, it really is kind of wild, the things that we concern ourselves with. 
especially guys like us three, four, who get to talk about country music and college football and share our passions thereof every single day. I want to share something with you guys that was personal, but it was very important to me, and it pertains to this podcast. Jan Gomes, uh, Major League Baseball player, I was at an event on Saturday, or pardon me, Friday night, I was at an event after Eric's show in Thompson Bowling Arena. I did not know Jan. And he walked up to me, and he said hello, and he introduced himself, and he started discussing our podcast and how much he loves that we're willing to stand up for what we believe and that we kind of wear those convictions on our respective sleeves and how he feels like it's very rare in today's world that guys are willing to do that. And it meant so much to me. And I told him, I'm like, well, you're screwed now, dude, because now you got to be a guest. Yeah, now I'm going to hit up his agent like this afternoon. Yeah, he, you don't have to. I got his number. There we go. We Even easier. call him. But, you know, this guy's won a World Series championship. Like, he, he has been at the absolute mountaintop peak of professional sports. And so he knows what that is. And for him to take the time – to share that with me was very humbling. And we wonder, for those of you listening and those of you watching, we always wonder, are we just talking to the stars? Like, are we just are we just talking to the planets and talking to the atmosphere? Because we don't know. We do this because we love it and we hope that you guys enjoy consuming it. So when any of you have feedback, we're grateful. But when somebody like that takes the time to be that vulnerable and share himself that way was awesome for me. And I wanted you two to know that because we just try very hard to just be dudes. Like we're sitting around having a couple cocktails and talking about what the guys at the cooler are talking about. And so thank you for that, Jan. And uh, again, we'll talk to you Good soon. Good job, Jan. On the podcast here. Speaking thank of, you, Jan. Speaking of uh, drinking, Marty, how's your liver doing? Buddy, it's on strike. Um, let's back up to Wednesday. Laney and I go to the CMA Awards, and we always love going to that event. We're blessed. We got a lot of friends who are involved in the event at every level, in the production side, in the public relations side, uh, band members, and artists. And so it's fun, especially when – you know, Entertainer of the Year includes a, a few of your really good buddies and you just don't know who's going to win it. But when Chris Stapleton started winning everything else, anybody who knows anything about that event knows it's very hard to sweep. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen because of the way that the politics work. And, hey, I'm going to give you all my votes for this award, so maybe you'll hand me your votes for that award. Both of you guys called it. I think both of you guys said you felt like Luke was going to win it. Uh, and he did. And congratulations to, to Luke and to Chris Cappy and to Austin Harp and everybody involved on his team. They deserve it. They earned it. And I'm thrilled for those guys because, I mean, what a, what a group of talented entertainers that was up for that award. So congratulations to Luke. But on that, all his team. on that voting, though, it just shows kind of the games that are, be pl that are played because 
if you win the first four categories, how are you then not entertainer of the year? That's like that's like a uh, let's say that, yeah. What's the spirit of the award? That's like a quarterback winning every quarterback award, everything, and then the Heisman goes to somebody else. Like, how hmm. does that happen? Uh, like it for the record, I'm happy for Luke, but that's the way it works right now. Um, I so could get goes. way way <laughs> deep into the weeds on it uh, and really explain it to y'all, but look. A deserving this is not like a couple of years ago when I did not believe in my soul that Garth Brooks deserved entertainer of the year I didn't I didn't feel like he did and a lot of people will look oh look at the tickets that look at what he's doing in this arena or that arena fine uh, I know that Eric Church played three and a half hours a night without an opener and didn't win it so there has to be a whatever. subjective quality to it, right? Like to Travis's Heisman comparison, there's got to be the Heisman moment, right? To be the entertainer of the year. And I think that's what yeah, we're hitting you, at with Luke. You also got to remember that there is a substantial difference between the way that the Heisman is voted for. Yes. And the way that this is voted for. Other players aren't voting for the Heisman. Man, the media awesome though, is it? voting for the Heisman. If you're a former if, entertainer of the year, you should get a vote for the for the future. They do. Yeah, I think okay. they do. I mean, I, it's it's I, again, you could break it. The radio has votes. Labels have votes. Bookers we, have votes. How do we get a vote, Marty? Well, I should have one. This podcast should get one. How we get Twitter bio? They would probably uh, they would probably consider me biased, but isn't everybody else this voting biased? Well, this podcast could get one vote, and we'll discuss it. On, like uh -huh. each, you know, we'll have an episode where we just break down how we're going to vote as a team. One vote. At, well, yeah, you'd have to do it after the fact, maybe. Yeah, after maybe the we fact, could just lay it, lay our cards out on the table. Yeah, no, we we put it out put ahead a of time. Birds and yeah, say we, this is who we're putting in. Yeah, we let we let the world know who we're going to vote for. So one vote has already been casted publicly. But it's back to your liver, though. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's I didn't where we got started that here. That so, was Wednesday. We're, we're only through Wednesday. So Wednesday, uh, the, the show was amazing, by the way. Oh, I want to say one more thing about Luke that I've been considering. The balls it takes to walk out at an award show and play a song that nobody's ever heard before was tremendous and not only was it ballsy to do it the delivery was deft uh he killed it he called he a absolutely shot absolutely killed it mm -hmm. and i don't know if you guys a lot of you listening may not have seen the ceremony you don't, may not know about the song yet it's called doing this it's fantastic it's it's just fantastic and not only that they uh, luke and harp hit me up and said have you watched the video yet? I got multiple notes asking me, have you watched the video yet? If you've not gone to YouTube, do it. Go to YouTube, type in doing this Luke Combs and watch that video. Uh, I, full disclosure, I watched it for the first time yesterday walking my dog and I cried. Mm. I got, it's, it's, it's one of those things that when you, it, it we, a lot of times, we know that Luke Combs is a superstar. We know that Eric Church, Chris Stapleton, Miranda, Carrie, Aldine, blah, 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 on and on are superstars. 
we don't often, and this applies to athletes too, we don't think about all of those steps to get there and all of those people that helped us get there. And that video is a tribute to one of those people who helped Luke get there. And I'll leave it at that. It's very well done. It's a song it's that like, every person can relate to. Yeah, 100%. I was about to say that. Um, it's about yeah, the, the why you do it. The music video is, is to one person, but you can hear it and also think like, no matter how successful you are in your field, if you're fortunate enough to do what you love for a living, it doesn't matter how big you get. You would be doing it no matter what, just because that's what you do. Like you could be a fifth grade math teacher and there's that person that you owe, you know, some of your success to. And like whatever your profession is, that's you can find something in that song. That's what makes it so great is it's it's a song for the every person, the common person. Yeah, I love I love Wes's point. You're so right, because the whole premise of the song is if I wasn't doing this, I'd be doing this. And, yeah, uh, in Luke's context, he's playing to 14,000, 15,000 a night in arenas all over the country. And if he wasn't doing that, if he hadn't gotten that break when he got it, he may have never gotten it. The industry is so fickle and so mm. difficult to penetrate at a commercially successful level. I mean – Guys like Cody Johnson and Tyler Childers, that uh, Coulter Wall that we love here at Outsider are mega stars, and they sell a lot of tickets, Kit Moore, but they, they just radio doesn't care. And so what Luke well, I think to a certain extent, has done, some of those guys don't they don't care though, right? Like they don't they don't, but they'll, them, they'll tell yeah. you they don't. But they they do. They all they all they'll tell you they don't. I hear this stuff all the time. Oh, that doesn't matter to me. If you're telling me Cody Johnson doesn't want his work on mainstream country radio, I he may tell me that, but I, I don't know that I believe it. Now, I've never met Cody. I've never looked a man in the eyes, so I don't know how he feels about these things. All I know is, is that his work is transcendent. That new record is stupid. If y'all have not heard it, go get it. If you got Spotify, and even if, you pay, if, if you're too cheap to – are you still listening to the ads like LeBron? <laughs> Remember how LeBron said that? That made me laugh so hard. He's like, no, I don't pay for Spotify. I don't, I don't listen to some ads. I don't either. Man, he doesn't pay for it? Oh, no, man. LeBron, it is the best investment you can do. I think it's better than any of the streaming TV services if you are a big music listener because I have it playing all day. And if there were so, ads, I think I'd, I'd pull my hair out. Here's how Spotify I don't pay for. The only reason that I have a premium Pandora account is my brother got the family account, which comes with six. He has a, He's a family of five, so there's one extra out there. But before that, it was always the free account or like if I'm traveling – you do a download a free like three month trial or whatever, but yeah, Laney got it for me for, for Father's it. Day. Mm. Well, that's what Laney got me for Father's Day, and I thought it was the greatest gift ever. Like I was so excited. One year she got me my very first uh, Bluetooth speaker, and it was like I won the lottery. And then last year she got me, or it might have been two years ago, she got the spot of paid for Spotify thing. And you're right. We got the family thing too, Travis. All ever, our whole family has their own account. See, that's a brilliant move by Laney. This just shows why she is the brains 
of that household is she got you a gift that is then going to benefit her because when you put music on outside, she doesn't have to listen to the commercials. That is a brilliant move. Significant others need to piggyback off that in the future. That is a brilliant move, Laney. Yeah, that's That's a gift that keeps on giving all year. We love it. And all right, so we still haven't gotten to my liver. So (laughs) Wednesday, we go out. Uh, we enjoy the CMAs. I got to see my former boss, Scott Bailey, at the show. He uh, is now the biggest dog at the Circle Network over at the Grand Ole Opry. And so it was good to see Scott and his wife, Debbie, and my buddy, Ty Norris. And then we go out after that, and we had a throwdown. I mean, throwdown. I will not name the attendees, but it was like – What we've all been comparing it to was the Star Wars bar scene. (laughs) If I name-dropped the people at this party, you guys would be so cross-eyed trying to put all those people in the same place. Uh, Laney and I are still downloading it. Were there any shots taken? Because last week on the podcast, we discussed shots and how you don't take them. Any shots consumed? There were. um, I was standing at the bar at this party. And a buddy of mine whom I've not seen for a while walked up to me and bear hugged me and said, go take a shot of fireball. And so I took a shot of fireball and I'm still feeling it five days later. I don't do shots. I hate them. Uh, But I did do it that night. By the way, if you're going to take shots, fireball is probably the go-to. I I took a shot of fireball uh, Saturday. cold though. Saturday afternoon, I took a shot of Fireball. I was, uh, I met uh, a couple friends to watch the Ohio State game, uh, and during the third quarter, they got a call from their realtor that the house that they uh, put an offer in here in Nashville, they got it. So they was like, "We're doing shots." So I'm like, "All right, it's it's 5 p.m., 5:30 in the afternoon. Shots it is." So uh, luckily, they brought my, chill uh, Fireball. My background. This is funny. So my buddy Greg Lears, who has, works at Brown Foreman, represents Jack Daniels and has forever and ever. I mean, I've probably known Greg for 15 years. He loves the show, too. Thanks, Greg. Um, and he said to me last week, he's like, I'm sending you a bunch of new product because your background needs some sprucing up. Uh, like bullet. Like I had like bullet showing. I had I don't even know what some of these are. They're gifts from. But, Do you need my um, new address, Greg? Let me know. I can send yeah. it to you. Uh, I'll my have Greg send needs some work too. Greg. I'll have Greg send you guys some uh, some goodies. He'll hear this. He'll yeah. He won't. I won't have to tell him. But so, so we. So make the it- party was off the chain, and uh, I got to see superstars collaborating and singing karaoke songs, and it was just a neat, really neat night. And I then uh, I don't know what time. We finally bailed out of there, 3.30 maybe, something like that. Uh, Jumped into bed, and my son Cameron called me at 6 a.m. And I couldn't go back to sleep after that. Flew home, and that was Cameron's birthday. And so we – oh, I know what he called for. uh, For his 16th birthday, my Cameron – he actually – here's another tangent for you parents out there. I now have a legal driver. My son just got his driver's license an hour ago. Oh, wow. How do you feel about that? It's scary. Um, I've, now, I will say, I will say, in North Carolina, 
kids have to drive 60 hours with their parents, and that includes 10 in the dark. And so the app can tell when it's dark. That's at like nighttime, right? Not a, not a, you don't put a blindfold around your eyes, right? Just in no, nighttime. Yeah, the app. Talladega the app Nights with the read. Cougar in the car. That car is sweet, dude, by the way. That <laughs> Talladega Nights Cougar car. It's an old 442, right? Um, anyway, so I've driven extensively with Cameron, and he does a damn good job. I give him credit. He does a really good job. He's attentive. And he listens, and, you know, a lot of parents out there will relate to this. He is so much less stressed with dad in the car than with mom in the car. Because mm -hmm. mom's reactions are a little more dramatic than dad's. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, all right, buddy, they're stacking up in front of you. Slow down. You can see the brakes. Laney's like, <laughs> and that doesn't go over well. And so, no. um it is scary. It's scary that he has his license and the thought that he, today, if he wants to, can get in the car, in the truck, and drive away. That is a terrifying prospect for me. But I do trust him, and I, I know that he's more than capable. He's done a great job, but it's not really about him. I mean, mm -hmm. it's – I tell him all the time. It's what my daddy told me from the second I started driving on my farm at eight years old around the hayfield, drive like they're trying to keep. And it's just scary, dude. I remember, I remember when I got my license, one of the uh, rules at the start was I wasn't allowed to have anybody in the car with me. That's just – and so I was leaving swim practice, and, of course, I broke the rule and had a friend – well, I forgot that my dad was a mailman, so that means he had 90 spotters around town that he knew had a car spies, I had. Bro. And so I get home, and he calls me. He's like, hey, what'd I tell you? I'm like, ah, I, pa I forgot yeah, I the way the it works here, The way it works here is they can only have one person with them. And so <clears throat> I just I don't know what it's going to be like when I – him standing there and I watch him drive away by himself. That hadn't happened yet. Is he going to drive to school tomorrow by himself? Uh, well, he doesn't have a car. So, and I'm leaving this evening. I got a speaking engagement tomorrow. And then I got another feature down in Wes's ne neck of the woods at the university of Georgia on Wednesday. Who are you talking so to? Might... Jordan Davis. I've heard of that guy. Yeah, he's all right. I think he'll be. I mean, I think he's got a decent future. I don't know about y'all. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, moderately I, he, large human. I mean, yeah. He. I think he probably needs to get in the weight room if he wants to make it in the league. Uh, he's might get pushed around a little bit at that so, size. I just thought of this. We're gonna go on a little tangent. Who's the last like dominant player? Because when you said his name, the person that came to mind was Indomitian Sue at Nebraska. I'm trying to think of other players that have just like have just dominated at the level well, I like think Jordan there's Davis two at. of them right now. I, Will Anderson is unblockable at yeah. Alabama, too. I think he's the best player in America. They should both have seats in New York, no doubt. I'm a voter. They're going to be <laughs> – I'm a voter. Can I – can <laughs> I – is there a way that I, if I can send you a gift, can I get C.J. Stroud on your ballot? How, how does this work? Can I bribe It'll you? It'll be really interesting. Actually, I have some news. I have some news to share about the Heisman Trophy for, for our great listenership. I like news. I am – I got a phone call last week that was a blessing beyond description. 
ESPN has added me to the Heisman Trophy broadcast team. Wow. So I will be one of the people that's interviewing the players and the coaches at the Heisman ceremony. And I'm blown away by this. And I know I was, I got emotional because I know what it mean to my dad. And it's just so funny, man. It's, I, I go back to that all the time that no matter how long he's been gone and no matter what comes, you know, what, what, what else is placed on my plate or amazing opportunities, that's where my mind always goes. I have spent every day of my life trying to make my dad proud. And I know that would do it. So it was emotional for me. Um, so, yeah, who knows, Travis, maybe I'll be interviewing your boy. I mean, I, I, if you don't put him on your ballot, we're going to have a conversation. I'm not saying that you have to. Why does him... he deserve to be on the ballot, Travis? I think right now, I mean, he's performing. Uh, the, give a quarterback that I, you would take over. Like, I don't think that Bryce Young is. Everyone's saying Bryce Young because he's Alabama's quarterback. I don't think he's. I'll it's take... almost like a default when I see Bryce's name at the top of the odds. Yeah, feels like uh, he just needs to be there because he's Alabama's quarterback. Who would y'all put top three right now? Not to slam what he's done, but I top, hear what you're saying. Top three right now. Whew. I think Jordan's three. I think Bryce is two. I just don't know who number who number one is. Where is Matt Corral? Such a, Corral? Corral might be one. I mean, I, Corral's I could, up there, boys. I mean, you think about – all right, first of all, now we're going to transition into college football. We're, we're all over the place. That's just how the – Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, well, welcome to the show. What, what Ole Miss did last weekend, I actually said this on Marty and McGee or SEC Nation 1, that I felt like Ole Miss was too beat up, especially on the <laughs> offensive line, to prevent Texas A&M's really good defense – from teeing off on on Matt Corral. I believed that. I felt like that just based on watching what I was seeing and analyzing what I was seeing and talking to other people who forgotten more about football than I'll ever know was an accurate assessment. It was dead ass wrong. And I actually was was talking to Lane Kiffin about it yesterday morning, Sunday morning. No I was like, deal. dude, I didn't I didn't see this coming. And he was I don't think anybody did. And that was a tremendous victory for Ole Miss. To me, I, I've tried to think back over the last 24 hours or so what victory I felt like was more impressive this season than that victory given the context of Ole Miss's injuries and, and how well Texas A&M has been playing. I think A&M over Bama might be the only one. What am I missing, Travis? I, I know there's other – or, Who did Purdue beat? Purdue beat Michigan State. And Iowa. A, and Iowa. O Oregon yep. went into Columbus. Oregon beat, beat Ohio State. So, but it's up there. One name that so, we can just, we can stop. And I said, we did, he didn't even deserve to have it mentioned at the beginning, but we're officially done with Caleb Williams. Take his name out of the Heisman. It's, yeah, it's the, he it was dumb done. to begin with. And it's, it, thankfully it's done. It wasn't dumb yep. to begin with. He didn't Calm play the, the first. Down. He didn't play in like the first three games, Marty. It's uh, it's the Lincoln Riley dumb. quarterback. Package, it's the same thing as right? Bama quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, you just All look I at it and you're like, you, okay, he's in there until he isn't. 
Actually, I guess uh, we could throw Baylor beating Oklahoma in there, although I don't think Oklahoma, like, really – the fact that they were eight un, – as an undefeated team at eight in the rankings tells us a lot. They they haven't impressed anybody. Time, right? and, and, and Baylor beating them like that, they're can, done. Can we talk about the ending of that game? About the students rushing the field and all that? Well, and then also uh, Dave Veranda kicking the field goal and Lincoln Riley's comments. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the clock's counting down. Baylor's going to win, and they call a timeout. And it was very – you didn't really notice it. And the cameras and the fans saw the clock go down. They rushed the field. So they the, have to pull them off. Dave Veranda kicks a field goal. 27 to 14 was the final score, wasn't it? I forget the score, uh, but they went up. And his reasoning for kicking the field – Kicking the field you keep goal. Going. I'm gonna look up our resources. And one of the possible tiebreakers for the Big 12 is point differential, and so his reason was let's get extra points. It might come into play. Lincoln Riley not happy with the fans from the field, and then says it's like not classy to kick the the field goal. You know, there's sportsmanship in sports and football. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. Lincoln. I've seen you run up the score in a lot of games. 27 to 14 was the final score. Yeah. So. so the, I understand the that. It was already a two-score game, yeah. So, I don't know the exact rules. We'd have to look this up. This is the kind of thing I lean on Travis for because he knows these types of things. The tiebreaker in the Big 12 uh, standings is margin of victory. Well, one of the tiebreakers. That's one of them, Yeah. right? So, so I mean, I just don't I, – I, does it stink and, and maybe – Okay, you know you're going to win. It's bad sportsmanship. But if you have the opportunity to play for a Big 12 championship as a result of point differential, that's just the playing field. I, I don't, I don't, I, I understand why Lincoln's mad. They got their ass handed to him, and so I, I get it. And his quarterback. I didn't, didn't understand why well. he was complaining to the referees though about the students on the field. The refs were like that cat meme where the ladies are shouting and the cat's just sitting at the dinner table. They're like, what do you want me to do? So he wanted a – We're 15, not security guards, bro. He wanted a 15-yard penalty assessed, which is just come okay. on, Lincoln. Like, I love you. I love really, how, really like, working it with one second left, down 10. Like, Competitive. But uh, well, they have – they look, they have some questions to answer. Um. They did not look good. Caleb Williams looked very bad uh, during his time. And then Spencer Rattler got another chance to maybe write a new chapter, and that didn't happen either. And mm. so they got a lot of questions to answer down there in Norman. And All right, so thing, I heard a lot oh, We got to shout out Dave Aranda. He's done an awesome yeah. job at Baylor. Yeah, he's, he's definitely taken over in a way that uh, is, is making people notice. Um, so there's Oklahoma and then there's Texas losing to Kansas and holy smokes, dude. And they've had the season that they've had, which hasn't been great. They've now lost five in a row. A lot of Kansas monkey business lost, lost eight in a row Crap, before that. And Texas just can't get the monkey line. off their backs. Um, but there's this criticism now that Texas and Oklahoma are not worthy of joining the SEC because of this 2021 season. And I think it's ridiculous. I mean, regardless Criticism of what they're where? doing this year, they're 
that they're not worthy of joining the SEC. But that from where? That yeah, who's saying it, though? Who's saying this? It's SEC fans. It's, it's it's I think it's it's college football it's fans Twitter. as a whole. It's Twitter, Wes. Chattering on Twitter. No, it's not It's not just Twitter. Listen. It's people that are looking at this with a knee-jerk reaction and saying, oh, look at how bad they are, and not considering the brands that they are. It is a boon for the Southeastern Conference to add these two blue blood programs that are national brands that have a lot of money and now they're going to have a lot more. I, uh, I can't wait to see what it really means. I just, I think I, I understand the value of adding the brands. I get that. But, both of these programs right now have so far to go to be competitive in the SEC that let's worry about that first. Defiance. Do they belong in the conference? Absolutely. Are they going to compete in the conference? I think it's going to be a minute because it's a very different brand of football than they play in the Big 12 conference. We've seen that time and again from Oklahoma in the college football playoff. They're a really good team. They score a boatload of points. They have Heisman Trophy winners and, and Big 12 players of the year at quarterback every single year, and then they go up against SEC teams in the playoff, and it does not go well. Okay, but hold on a second here. With the Oklahoma, I have to defend them here. The two times that when it hasn't gone well in the playoffs, it's to Bama or Georgia. It's not – OU's going to come in and instantly – be one of the LSU top teams. beat them by 70. L LSU. Yeah. Like they've lost to like the the top tier of the SEC. I don't, gonna... So what the hell kind of point is that? That's okay. who they got to beat to compete, bro. Okay, but <laughs> but they're still going to be better than 65 70% of the conference. How do you know that? How do you know that? South Carolina just hung 40 on Florida. Florida gave any up, ma Florida gave 42 I don't to Sanford, Travis. I don't care. You're making my point for me. You're like Twitter. Why don't you? Why don't we no. debate this on o, Twitter? OU will come in. Is OU better than Kentucky? Yes. I don't know, man. You don't know, bro. Georgia did to Tennessee. They just got boat raced by Baylor. Boat race. Tennessee's by offense was the hottest in the country. Uh, Hooker, top five, top ten QB metrics. When you recruit defenses like Georgia does, like Bama does, like Kentucky is starting to do, I mean, you're still seeing that good defenses can be better than good offenses. The thing about and Georgia did it to Oklahoma already in the Rose Bowl. The thing about wasn't that, wasn't that like the an overtime analysis? It was, the and they your... put up a lot of points, but that was with a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback in Baker Mayfield. The thing about your analysis, though, Trav, is they're playing SEC competition. And losing. You're asking me if Kentucky is any good. They got beat by Tennessee was the hot, one of the hottest teams in the country when they played Kentucky. To Wes's point, with one of the best players and most efficient players in the country who, fought, who really had started to understand what his head coach wanted to do. Everything is contextual. You've heard me say this since we've been friends. Five years. You've been hearing me say life is context and repetition. 
I can't wait to see what it means for Texas and Oklahoma in recruiting. But so OU, they're already recruiting. Texas, I agree, they're going to have issues. But OU has shown that they can, they can play with the big boys. They went into Columbus and planted the flag. Like they're going to go into the SEC and they're going to be competing. Dude, that was Wes, an repeat eternity yourself. ago. Wes, say, say what you said a minute ago again. It just comes down to good defenses taking on good offenses. And Baker Mayfield Oklahoma, was different. Yeah, man. Baker Mayfield was a different kind of X factor. And if Lincoln Riley's honest, Oklahoma probably could have, should have beaten Georgia in that Rose Bowl, but they let him hang around. And they didn't put their foot on Georgia's throat. And my man Rodrigo hit that field goal before halftime, and it was game on. So <laughs> you have to have a generational quarterback to make it happen. And is Lincoln Riley, by the way, is he even totally focused on this job? His name's in the hat down in Baton Rouge. You don't need a general. So, you don't need a it's quarterbacks in college. It's very easy to get one and all of a sudden be great or like what? compete. Let me just remind you of something, Travis. Let me remind you of something. First of all, you're an Ohio State alumnus. Y'all have 16 five stars in the quarterback room. It's not that easy. It's 19, I think. All right. Hmm. Spencer Rattler, this Oklahoma quarterback thing is an I think an unprecedented story. Spencer Rattler was 99% of college football analysts, reporters, preseason Heisman Trophy favorite. He lost his job. Like he didn't just not play great, he got benched. And like I wow, I just don't, I'm still trying to process that. Oh, and if you're and it's one, not because Caleb was that much better, it was because Spencer lost it. Well, because how does also, that happen? But also because under, Caleb under had okay, but because Lincoln had the number one player on the bench and did something that I don't know, you know, other teams wish they like Lincoln did something that most teams wouldn't do. I mean, look at he was afraid he's going to lose him. Give him a chance to see what he can do. Sorry, Wes, but he didn't want a Justin Fields situation. Yeah, we can have an entire episode about the Justin Fields situation. And then also, if go I think to the, we should because we got both sides. All I do, I'll, I'll just sit here yeah. and watch. Go to the on three well, page. Travis and I are on a collision course in the playoffs and or national uh, or national championship. Can't be uh, and. Um, I have a feeling in my gut, Travis, we're about to be we're about to be bumping horns here in a few weeks. I'm fine with that, but, but hold on a second for the OU quarterback situation. When they go, uh, depending on when they get there. You go to the on three page for the 2023 class, the third overall quarterback and the third overall player. Great Mal crossover, Travis. Malachi Nelson is committed to OU. Like, they're getting the dudes. They're going to be fine. They've had the dude. Like, I, I just don't understand, like, what. Okay, they had Baker Mayfield. They had Kyler Murray. Back-to-back -back Heisman Trophy winning number one NFL overall draft picks. Yeah. Then they got Jalen Hurts. Yeah who was the SEC Offensive Player of the Year. I, okay. I'm trying to figure out what you mean about their, like, Spencer Rattler, unbelievable, probably a five-star. Caleb Williams, probably a five-star. 
Like, it's not anything new. for Lincoln is a quarterback genius. Yeah. He is a quarterback genius. Couldn't beat the SEC in how many tries? A lot of people can't. Like, Ohio State. Is this, I not, mean, what we're, is this not what we're talking about, though? I think we've Ohio just State. I think we've just done a 180 in no. our argument. <laughs> you're, you're pro, you're, what you're saying That's is, what I think just happened. Losing one time, they only have one chance a year to play the SEC team, and they're playing the best team in the SEC, and they're not good All enough right. to beat that I, team. I, I don't even want to talk about the best team in the SEC. How many points would uh, Bama beat Oklahoma by right now? How many points would uh, Ole Miss beat Oklahoma by right now? I don't right know if Ole Miss would beat them, though. I don't I do. know if Ole Miss I don't would. think Ole Miss would beat Oklahoma right now, Travis. I do. Mm. That's I, the I thing. Do. It's not even the best of the best in the SEC. We're also, like, taking, I don't feel we're also taking OU for this one year where they clearly have some issues. They've ran the Big 12 for like, they've won what, six in a row? Here's where I'll meet you halfway. I'll meet you in the middle, Travis. Oklahoma is closer to being an SEC team than, than Texas is. Oh, yeah. It's not I even feel close. Like they, they That's why I like have y'all believe, can some y'all internal believe issues. That Texas got beat by Kansas? I can't, actually. Texas, I can't believe it. Texas has been bad for years. Like Kansas is arguably the least competitive power five program they were oh and a hundred in their last 100 games that they were uh uh getting 24 or more points i think i saw it was oh look man i i did not expect this and i have very close friends my buddy josh garza over at academy sports and outdoors is a texas alumnus he loves the horns and I waited like 15 oh, hours. Snap, Travis with the horns Dang, down. Dang, Travis just went horns down. Dude, we probably have fans in Texas. You just lost them all. I love that I saw horns down from a A&M cadet during the Ole Miss game. They're always Let me putting tell you those horns dude. down, man. We, McGee and I, went to barbecue class at Texas A&M, right? We learned all the different parts of the cow and where it all goes on the skeleton. Etc. The next day after we shoot the feature, little little vignette thing we shot, we had the two barbecue czars of College Station, Texas, on our set to have a conversation. One of them's name was Ray. I did not notice this live on television. It came to my attention later. The entire time (laughs) the interview is happening, Ray has his hands on his thighs doing horns down the whole interview. You know that he had a friend that probably like said, hey, I'll give you $100 if you do it. We had, we had no idea, dude. We had no um, idea. I got, how- a, uh, I got a pivot here. Marty, what happened to your beard? <laughs> Thank you. I've been oh. wanting to ask. So, Was it the jack fire or the fireball shots? Did you burn it my, off? My... Um, Okay, so yesterday, this was Sunday, I don't know, I I just decided, like, I'm going to shave it off. Uh, I'm going to shave it off. And I walked out of my room, and my wife, first of all, it was my little girl, Vivian. She's, like, 
the most perceptive person. She's like, Daddy, where'd your beard go? I've never, she said, I've never seen you without it. And I, it's funny, like, I look 10 years younger. Yeah. I look like a child. Yeah, I thought your son had actually sat in on, on the episode at first when I fired up the <laughs> So what, what did Lainey say when he walked out? Martin? Uh, yeah, I mean, she kind of was like, she's like, I can't believe you shaved your face. I can't believe you did it. But she loves, she's she's all in. Well, yeah, I mean, of, she, she married, when you married loved, is. She's always loved my dimples. I don't think I've ever seen you. See him again. I don't think I've Have ever you seen ever seen me without a beard? Not other than photos, but I don't think ever since we've been I've friends. Never, I think you've always no. had something there. I, the one photo I think of is uh, when you're at Virginia Tech on the field. Mm-hmm. Actually, I had this hat on. Yeah, I was going to say that's exact hat yeah. on. That's funny. Um, yeah, it's a major point of conversation with everybody that I see. I was walking my dog last night, and my neighbor, Nicole, walked out and was like, now, she had that confused dog look on her face, like, what in the hell? What will it look like come Saturday when you're back on TV? How much of a well, beard will you have? That doesn't answer the question. Right now. It's going to be what as What was it uh, like when you, first, uh, started to, when you first started to sprout the facial hair on air? Did you get any static from a uh, manager? Well, I was first. See, that's, a, that's what's interesting, too. It used to be forbidden. It used to be you can't have facial hair. And I just started growing a beard in like 2000, I don't know, 12 maybe. I don't even know what year it was. But when I knew that it was all right, like I got a couple comments, but they were like, as long as you keep it, you know, put together and you don't look unkempt, you'll be fine. The next thing you know, Bob Lee, the general. If he does it. Has a beard on outside the lines. And I went, all bets are off. It, if it, the general has a beard, I'm fine. If if Bob Lee does now everybody has a beard. It is then that is written in stone that you are allowed to do it. If Bob Lee does it because he is, you know, journalism 101, or maybe he's the exception, and you got, you know, don't do what he does because he can get away with it. Journalists can have beards. It's basically what Bob Lee said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had Bob Lee and Wright Thompson. I mean. Yeah. That's pretty much the Mount Rushmore. Did you? Uh, Bob Lee led an investigative piece into whether or not journalists could have beards, and at the end of it, he concluded that it was okay. Yep, he is the goat. So I have a complaint. Um, so last week we talked about grocery stores and having people get your stuff or not. Uh, we haven't. There's an issue at the uh, deli counter. When you order lunch meat, they wrap it up so damn many times that when you unzip the bag to reach in there and get some, it takes 10 minutes. You have to pull the thing out and unwrap it. They need to make it so that when you open it up, you can reach right in and grab the lunch meat. There's another. So there's another kind of caveat to be added to that is the cheese. When they cut the cheese, <laughs> I'm waiting on you to, to laugh at that. So if they don't do it just right, it's just like a blob of cheese. Oh, you're right, man. You can't, you can't pull individual slices. You're just breaking off big hunks of cheese. Or if they that cut sucks. It, or if they cut it too thin, you can't get in there. Dude, we up don't... north where Laney grew up, they put... 
They parchment. put paper parchment between paper. every slice. That's just a waste of paper. But it works. But awesome. it works, though. That's like if you buy the packaged cheese, get like some Sargento, it has the paper in between every piece. Did you just bust out a Sargento? I, I love a Sargento pepper jack or Colby jack. We're a uh, Tillamook family over here, so. I go out and milk, milk my own cattle and make my own cheese. When's the last time you milked a cow, Marty? Penn State University, 2015. Oh, yeah. 16 maybe speaking like of that. speaking of your beard they probably really loved uh having to put a mesh netting over your beard and everything for that yeah that was actually the catalyst for me shaving it travis is the fact that i had to put a beard <laughs> the catalyst to to class. i'm on i'm on one today wesley how how good is that ice cream up at penn state because i always hear oh my gosh dude they're creamery uh, it's world-class sea bass and that was so cool actually to learn about it go in there watch how it all operates they have like dairy science is a big major up there i don't know if that's the exact name of the major but it's a real big deal and it, the, it's it's awesome that they have a peach ice cream that is look wesley's a georgia guy we're I, well i was gonna say we're all southern boys but we got one guy over there on the left who sure as hell ain't we know Travis peach, I, I has think. southern traits. His southern tendencies. What what are his southern traits, Wesley? Yeah, let's hear these. I mean, he he, he, he does. <laughs> he know likes his liquor. country music. You've probably rubbed off on him, uh, but he knows his country and he likes. He appreciates a country tune. Uh, which look, I know you don't have to be southern to do that, but uh, I don't know. He appreciates the SEC. He's more so than many Ohio State fans I know. Travis will actually give credit where it's due to SEC teams. He doesn't just that live in a horseshoe vacuum. So those are and the two he that is, come to mind. He is rationally, rationally critical of his favorite team. Most college football fans are irrational beings. Hmm. And Travis has a rational perspective on an irrational equation. And I always appreciate that about him. Uh, if you guys want to keep with these compliments, we can keep it going. No, I think we're good. So, what do you Penn want me State's to? Creamery. Uh, oh, it's great. I've heard it's go theirs. Down. I've heard it's theirs, and Washington State's are like the class of college creameries. Washington State. And, I didn't even know they had one, dude. Oh yeah, man. Uh, last year during COVID, Brian Floyd on Twitter, he. Um, sent me like a cheese care package because he liked the coffee town videos just did coffee town and i got a bunch of cheese from pullman and it was terrific it was, there's a white cheddar there's a smoky ghost pepper which i couldn't finish um did it light you up like a the- christmas tree i was in trouble man and i had actually just just come down with covid and i couldn't really taste much but i could taste that cheese man <laughs> it might have brought my taste back to life because it had so much ghost pepper in it uh okay how much so i'm such a pansy when it comes to i love hot sauce i love hot food like spicy food but i even sriracha like laney makes this awesome fried rice dale and she puts um like uh egg white in it for me because i'm a nutrition nerd and i was eating it the other night and i put so much sriracha on that thing i was struggling Mm. Uh, Sriracha is overrated. 
No, it's not overrated. It's uh, people. Dude, have you had the Chick Fil A sriracha? I haven't, but I so. But my I reason for it being the reason for I say it's overrated is people swear by it and they put it on everything and they usually put on too much. Is sriracha good in doses? Yes, but I don't need a wing soaked in sriracha. If you want to put a little drizzle on it or something, fine. But I think we just we overuse sriracha and that's why it is overrated. I think there's just too much hype around the sauce. It's kind of like uh, a truffle oil. It's used for everything. Like, let's calm down. Pump the brakes. I did not expect to hear about truffle oil this morning. I didn't see that comparison coming either, Wesley. Yeah, Travis is losing some Southern points. Well, I was going to say, do you really want me to just take all the Southern points you gave me and uh, throw them away with one take? The, you uh, did a really good job right there. That peach ice cream, is it's not good. What? It's so good, man. No. You're just saying that because you're an Ohio State guy. No, I I honestly believe that. I I just don't think it's that good. And I well, love I ice cream. I cow on TV. It was funny, man, because, you know, you go over there, and I grew up on a beef cattle farm. We have beef cattle. So the, I go, and I'm talking to the expert guy over at the barn at penn state and i'm like all right do it how do i what's the proper technique to milk the teat <laughs> and he goes let me show you he said you start here and you work your way down and i'm like all right cool well the teat wasn't working too great that day so we had to we had to do some extra massaging and then by the time we got the red light turned on and we were on the television old girl was ready to go that's so good it didn't happen after the red light came on i guess yeah i mean i had to make sure that my aim was true i mean that thing could end real bad if your uh, aim is not true when you milk the teat i think you got a episode titled travis <laughs> <laughs> oh all right we, let's go back to oklahoma for a minute one of the most passionate Certainly most famous and most recognizable fans of the Oklahoma Sooners is an Oklahoma native from Moore, Oklahoma, country music icon Toby Keith, somebody I've admired for a really long time, somebody that knows exactly who he is and does not apologize for it. From the second he came on the scene, which should have been a cowboy, which on the back side of the interview, maybe we should discuss its place in the hierarchy of 90s country excellence because it's way, 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 way up top of that list. I've always admired him and uh, have the opportunity to get to spend some time with him and learn about his path and people that helped him along the way was very fulfilling for me. Before we get started with the interview, before Travis and Brandon roll the interview which i think we did a week ago maybe for those of you who are watching us on youtube go to your podcast provider now our interview with toby was audio only and so we don't have uh, a video production of that to show you so please go listen though because it was extremely revealing and enlightening from somebody that i feel like is one of the most influential people that country music's ever had and on a lot of levels 
here on the Marty Smith podcast at Outsider is country music icon Toby Keith. I want to know what it's like to hang out with Willie Nelson. <laughs> Willie is one of the most unbelievable people. I met Willie through uh, one of my guitar players who unfortunately passed away a few years ago. He was the little boy in Honeysuckle Rose. His name was Joey Floyd. Joey played that little uh, little boy with the gifts of Honeysuckle Rose as Willie's son. And he instantly became part of Willie's family. And so when we would be around award shows or traveling and be in LA and he'd say, hey, Willie's at the Hollywood Bowl tonight. We'd go over there, brought us in. Joey was part of the family. Willie's always been open arms, um, has an open bus for policy about anybody. If you can get to it, can get on Willie's bus. He's the most loving person you've ever met in your life. And uh, he smokes a lot of weed. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard, Toby. I've heard a song or two about it, brother. Yeah, he, uh, he's he been doing it. I've known him personally about 25 years. And, and I, I was amazed even before it became the thing, you know, for everybody. It was uh, legalized in a lot of states and all that. He was – and then I would talk to, like, Merle Haggard and those guys, and they said uh, – Recording a Merle sitting in a, we're sitting on the bus and we recorded our conversation, played it back to him. He said, uh, some doctor said, if you shave my arm hair and Willie's arm hair and you smoke it, it'll get you high. <laughs> but so uh, Ray Price and Willie Nelson, Ray Benson was asleep at the wheel. And, and we had, I guess maybe Roger Miller and Waylon, all them guys, I guess they cash. I guess they really got after it. Who would you consider your closest friend in country music? My father figure was Haggard. He took me in and, and was kind of my musical father figure. He always checked on me, always gave me advice. Willie's more about just hanging out. Want to hear? He wants to hear a new song. And if it's good, he wants to hear it again. Uh, we've done projects together. Just a loving guy. Haggard was more philosophical, sat on the bus give you life lessons and when we picked he just wanted everybody to take turns play a song those are some of the most enjoyable moments sit around with your heroes and, and get to be part of their deal how do you react when you learn that those folks know who you are first time i noticed it i've been doing some stuff with willie and i'd done a couple things with Hagger, but they were quick projects and uh, willie was having a big bash i think it was called outlaws and angels and Willie said, me and you are going to open the show with Joe Shaver's song, uh, George on the Fast Train. He said, Hags are going to come out. We're going to do Poncho and Lefty. Oh, my gosh. And so I said, which part do you want me to sing? And he said, sing one of Willie's parts. I always thought he sang too damn much on the song anyway. And <laughs> Willie was standing right there. So we played it, and we got done. And they said, all right, that's y'all's part of the show. And they moved on to the next act. And Hag goes, hey, I didn't get to do a duet with Toby. You did. And Willie goes, well, I don't give a damn if you do it. Do it. <laughs> so we did Mama Tried one take. And that's all the band rehearsal we got. And then we did it in the show. And right then I knew that, that I meant something to him more than. And then my mom and sister went to a show. Uh, he came back to Muskogee. Of course, he did Okie from Muskogee. And it was a big song of his. And he did a show at Muskogee and my mom and my sister went over there and he took great care of them, gave them 
great seats. And then the next time he came to Oklahoma, I got a phone call and he says, this is Hag, is your mother okay? And I'm like, I'm on the road. And I thought, uh-oh, what do I not know? So I called him and he said, uh, is your mom okay? I said, yeah, why? He goes, well, I'm at, in Oklahoma and she, her and your sister and family ain't here. And I said, well, Hag, they're not going to make every show just because you're in Oklahoma, you know? <laughs> but he was worried that, hey, when I get to Oklahoma, I'm supposed to see Toby's bunch, you know? Uh, sweet guys, and uh, they were great mentors to me, and I learned a lot off them, two, two cats. You are not beholden to any bullshit that anybody else says you're supposed to do. You don't pander. Yeah. You do what you feel is right in your heart. How did the relationships with those two guys who also had that exact same philosophy impact you like or empower you is the right word to kind of take that approach in the industry haggard did the same the only thing i was ever guilty of in the media was supporting the military you know what i mean i never took a political stance until they till i got one you know my political stance was hey this is what i feel and when did it become incorrect to support the military and it seems like in this day and age if one side or the other gives you a check mark against you, you get all the check marks go on that side. You get cast right immediately as whatever they consider the bad guy to be. I never looked at things right or left. I looked at things right and wrong. If I feel when I lay down at night that an issue doesn't set well with me, you're not going to convince me that it's okay to think that way just because you don't like the way I think. I don't care. Haggard had fight inside of me, and I grew up listening to Charlie Daniels and Cash and Haggard and List those John Wayne speeches and stuff, and you just having a father that served his duty and and all of that. You just was raised around to respect the veterans. That's why I went and did those eleven years. We went over there for weeks and did a week in each each uh, theater, Iraq and Afghanistan for the USO. It just felt like what you're supposed to go do. You're not supposed to get paid for that. You're supposed to dedicate your time. I think we did 240 shows and all. Well, you remember when Bob Hope. Uh, used to do those big USO tours. Yep. And he might take Marilyn Monroe or the Cowboy Cheerleaders or 20 superstars with him, Ann Margaret, whoever. USO, when I went on my first trip, I said, Who else comes over here? And they said, It's hard to get anybody to come. He said, They said it's really difficult because people don't want to be associated with that in their careers. Well, entertainers are worried about getting uh, painted one way or the other. And I'm like, that's the crazy thing I heard. The reason we have this beautiful country is because of those people that go over there and sacrifice. They're not being drafted. They feel like this is their duty. There's a bunch of people signed up after 911. I say it all the time in every, every podcast I've ever done, really, the last thing I do is say how grateful I am for the United States military. The reason is I can walk out my front door and I can go and do and be and aspire to do whatever and become whatever I want to be because they're over there dodging bullets for me. I'm so grateful for that. And I always will be so grateful for that. And I know that's how that, that's your stance as well. And I appreciate that stance. The crazy thing about it is it's so it dominates the media so much. I've got a courtesy red, white, blue American soldier. I probably have a hundred charted singles. I was inducted into the National Songwriters Hall of Fame last night. I was inducted in the Songwriters Hall of Fame in New York, 2015. And you still find people that all they want to talk about is cursory red, white, and blue. It's one song out of a hundred, but that doesn't 
You know what I mean? But you just have to wear that. At least you're saying something. It, it, was, it was that big of a song. It was. Uh, and, and certainly the timing of it uh, is, is a, a reason why it resonated so, so deeply with so many. I want to I wanna follow up on what you just said there about the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I interviewed Rhett. Uh, had read on this same podcast recently. Uh, actually, the day you guys found out that you were going to be inducted was the day I interviewed Rhett. And Toby, he was so humbled. Such a unique distinction to be among that group. What's, what's it mean to you that the words that come out of your soul have had that kind of impact? All the other words, Entertainer of the Year, the Album of the Year, Song of the Year, they're just odd-looking trophies that said in – back in my storage, you know, <laughs> the songwriter stuff is what I set out to do. I knew uh, it was a very unusual, perfect storm, but my dad was a real witty guy, had no musical talent. His dad could play guitar and play old Hank Williams songs, but my grandmother on my mom's side played piano, all sisters, everybody uh, from their background was in the church. My mom's trying to get a record deal was being looked at when she was 20, when she had me. So she put her career on hold. So you've got a singer, professional quality singer, with a husband with tremendous uh, wit and work ethic. You know, my dad used to say stuff like, uh, he told a preacher one time, he said, uh, we was building some horse pants and the preacher come down there to help us. My dad said, uh, how come you guys talk about 10 commandments? He said, uh, there's only two. If you follow them, the other ones will fall in place. And he goes, what are those? He goes, lying and thieving. He said, what about adultery? And he goes, you going to lie about a preacher? So he just always had a different way of looking at things. He was a state's witness on a crime theft one time in the oil field. And the guy that he caught stealing, or they caught stealing, was the guy he knew. And they were recessing at court, and Dad was the state's witness. And the guy hollered out to him as they were leaving the courtroom that day, he said, you got to help me, HK. I can't do five years. And he goes, I don't know what to tell you. Just get in there and do whatever you can. So he always had a way of summing it up, saying something clever, and coming right back at you with an original look. So I took those assets, I started writing these songs, created this thing, and all I ever really wanted to be was a songwriter. When I found out I was in Oklahoma and there's really no networking like in Nashville, I really didn't have any place to take my song. So I had to learn to entertain and sing my own songs. And all that's good and fine. And that makes all the money and makes the world go around. But all I wanted to be was a songwriter. So being BMI Songwriter of the Year, having Song of the Year, having songs that are acknowledged with most airplay or getting into these Hall of Fames as a songwriter, to answer your question, is the most important part of, of my accomplishments. I love it, brother. I say all the time, too, that I feel like there's only a select few professions that can save a life. Doctors can, first responders can, et cetera. Fire, firemen and women can, and songwriters can. Because well, what you guys do, the talent that you have to share that story in just a couple of minutes, you're going to say something that maybe either, A, we can't say or aren't willing to say as the consumers of what you're doing. It just matters so much to me, and I would – one of my dreams is to someday maybe have a song on somebody's record. Maybe someday we'll see. <laughs> well, keep dreaming, man. It can happen. I'm going to. Let's go back to Should Have Been a Cowboy. I know that you've talked about this song now for 20 however many years. We'll start with the mullet. Man, 
that thing was should it should be in the Louvre. Walk me through this sculpture, this work of art that you had atop your melon. It was actually more real business in the front party in the back when I got to Nashville. But by the time they cut my first album, the makeup people and the girls, the hairstylists and your clothes, they start, the label starts grooming you. They had about an eight month run and they started kind of growing the sides out. So it had kind of become more of a, more of a Travis trip. It was long and it was golden and it was curly. It was sweet, and, man. That thing was beautiful. It, well, you know, now everybody said uh, the mullet won't ever come back. I see baseball players rocking it everywhere. Yeah. And like Morgan Wallen, all those, all the younger artists now have. Them. Yeah. When you show up in Nashville, first of all, I wonder why, what was it led you to go ahead and say, all right, I'm going to leave. Oklahoma, you're in Easy Money, right? Wasn't that your bank? You, you and the boys yeah. from Easy Money. Y'all are playing some shows and whatnot. What led you to go, all right, it's time for me to go chase the rainbow? Well, I just kept writing songs. I was obsessed with writing. There's no really where, nowhere to take them. I didn't have a pattern or a guideline or somebody else that, to tell me how to do it. If you're in Nashville, you're writing and hanging out with other writers. You get to networking. You'll start to see some people getting, it and getting success, getting songs cut, and you'll say, okay, that's how you do it. I didn't have anything. So my only thing that I could take care of myself was just to write every day. And you literally, I mean, I literally wrote two or 300 songs, and they weren't worth a flip. All of a sudden, you write a good one. And then you're playing it in your show when they'll let you. You know, the club owner will say, you can play original or two. And then you write 200 songs, write another good one. And just keep closing that window while you're learning. And the uh, owner of the club's nephew was a songwriter that had big time success named David Eth, who was George Strait's guitar player. And when Strait would come to town and play in the arena, his nephew and a couple of the band guys, Benny MacArthur and David, David Eth, they would come by the club. And if we were playing in there, Fred would say, Let's take his stuff to Nashville. So I didn't move, but Fred flew me over there and we met with Capitol. It was on a cassette and the guy lists a verse and a chorus. Fast forward to the next song, verse and a chorus. Fast forward, got done. He said, well, you're a good singer. We're not really looking for a male right now. They just signed Garth and they said, we're kind of overwhelmed with, with this and we, we're not really looking at work, but I don't think your band's the band, but you do need to go back and work on your song. So I was happy with that. I was like, I've heard it from a pro now. I've got, you know, this is in Oklahoma talking. This is Capitol Records in Nashville. We're right down on the avenue. So I went home and I was figuring out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Well, that tape ended up in the hands of Harold Shedd, who was vice president at Mercury Records. And, uh, he heard those songs and he had somebody find my number and get in touch with me. And I woke up one morning, the phone rang. His assistant said, will you hold Harold Shedd? And I knew Harold had discovered, produced Alabama. And Harold had signed KT Oslin, I think when she was 41 years old and she had a double platinum album on it. I knew he took chances and I knew he knew what a hit sounded like. So he flew in. I played two 45 minute original shows. Fred let me play what I wanted to instead of regular bar music. He signed me the next morning. 
let's hop back real quick. Uh, you were talking about your dad, and I meant to ask this a minute ago. When I lost my dad, I was really lost. It was a compass in my life that I could not find for a while. He always had the right answer, no matter what troubles I was facing, no matter what question I may have had, my dad had an answer. How did that impact your life and kind of your direction or worldview when, when you lost your dad? It was numbing so sudden because it was a car wreck. Now, being the oldest sibling, I've got to have all the answers because they're all, everybody's going to come to me now. And I don't have all the freaking answers, you know? It's part of life. You just have to, uh, you just have to use what he taught you. I just thought I'm going to use what he taught me, make the best decision I can. And I was pretty lost. He would come out on the road rodeos. He always took us to the national final stuff when we were kids. So when I got successful, I'd play like sing the national anthem, the national finals, or I'd play a big concert during the national finals. I would take him and get him behind the shoots and let him hang out with the Cowboys, you know, and he'd put his good straw hat on, get him a dip of snuff. He'd get down in there and watch the bull ride <laughs> in the barrel. And he loved hanging out with those rodeo guys. But um, it's been 20 years and it just seems like he's still right here with me. And uh, if I got one thing off of him that uh, was the best trait was the work ethic, just being able to outwork everybody. I, I was, I'm never letting anybody outwork me. I told him when I signed with Mercury, I said, they outwrite me and out sing me. I put an album out every year for 20 years in a row. And most of my peers were putting one out every three or four years. And, uh, and I did as many shows when I first, when they first told me I wasn't working six nights a week no more, I was going to work one night a week, do one nighters. They were like, you know, we can book you on one-nighters off Should Have Been a Cowboy right now. And then we'll look for you a big tour in the summer. How much do you want to work? I said, I'll take every show you got. And we worked like 83 shows in the next 90 days. And uh, it was like, this is a, it's a piece of cake because I'm getting paid better money. I'm doing an hour and a half show. I was doing four and a half hours, six nights a week for chump chains. So, yeah, I don't know if there's going to be a second single or not. I don't know if I'm going to ever have any success. So let's go get what's out there right now and try to help your family. Should have been a cowboy was the most played song of the 90s. That blows my mind, by the way, because that like 90s country is the greatest era. We could debate this for the till we're blue in the face from lack of oxygen. But that era was unbelievable in the format. When like I, I, I'm sitting here, Toby, I looked up before we got on. Correct me if I'm wrong. 65 charted singles, 20 number ones, 22 subsequent top tens, okay? What did you hope to be, man? Like, what when you started, what did success look like? How do you define it? Provide. That was success to me. It's actually about 87 charted singles and 32 number ones. God. Um, <laughs> but a lot of you, you hear different things all the time, and when I got the Medal of uh, Arts at the White House, they said 21 number ones, and I was sitting there going, really? <laughs> you got it better than they did. <laughs> but it depends on, there's, there's a, there was, R&R was big in the 90s and the 2000s. Billboard's been big. So 
country radio sometimes would shoot for the R and R because billboard went off of other things too. Sometimes you'd have a billboard and an R and R. Sometimes you'd have an R and R. Sometimes you'd have a billboard. So if you look at them, they're different. But in the chart game, or what everybody's playing for airplay, R and R I think only handled airplay only, and uh, terrestrial radio. We're almost at 100 million spins on terrestrial radio, and that's like breathing crazy air. How many artists get to that place, Toby? Well, when I got to 50 million spins, BMI threw a party. I had about 400 celebrities in our VIP there. And I said, what is this for? And they said, you just crossed 50 million spins as a songwriter. And I said, what, is, what does that mean? And they said, that's Billy Joe, Lennon, McCartney, Bee Gees, that's that kind of stuff. And I was like, that's what they told me. I have no idea. And I was like, well, you know, and in the next eight or 10 years, we're real close to 100 million now. So streaming's changed the way people count it. Now, terrestrial radio was the main thing back then. But, you know, that was my next goal was try to get to 100 million. We're sneaking up on it. But it's uh, it's just a, a different game. It used to take us 17, 20 weeks to get a number one single. It takes 50 weeks now. So by the time I was through my second album, I had four number ones or five, a couple of top fives to go with it. And I could go out and do a 40 minute show and open for a big star and play six or seven hits. These kids today, if it takes 40 or 50 weeks, get number one and you get it right 20 times in a row in 20 years, you're going to have 20 hits. You know what I mean? I had seven hits on by my second album. So, to build a legendary career now, it's a lot tougher, I would say, um, when it takes that long to achieve, you know, status. You're, it just takes so long through the streaming and stuff to get a single charted up there. So it's just a different animal now. Albums are really non-existent for the most part. We used to put a song out, bring the album out, sell two or three million, put two or three more singles out, move on the next one. Everybody got paid. Everybody got it rocking. Everybody got their hits, and we moved. Now it's like you put a single out. Well, if you put your album out, by the time you put your second single out, fifty weeks later, everybody's been listening to whatever. If they did buy your album, they've listened to it for ten months. It's a whole different game. It's more of a singles world now. But anyway, it is what it is. I'm proud I got in the circus tent before they let the elephants out. It's always fascinating to me to get to chat with guys who've been around that long and who've experienced that much. And with anybody that we have the opportunity to chat with who actually knew Merle Haggard, who spent time and learned from Merle Haggard and who was fulfilled by the confidence that Merle Haggard gave them, uh, it's a humbling thing to hear and a humbling thing to be immersed in. Also, he says that Willie has an open door policy on his tour bus. Uh, how do we get to his door? We need to go there. I'll never smoke weed with Willie again. It was funny hearing that. My dad claims that him and a friend were once, I think the story is that he was either backstage or on a tour bus with Willie in Ohio at some random concert. He claims it, but he has no proof of it. So I don't know what to do with the story, to believe it or not. I mean, it's your dad, so I don't care if it's a lie. Go with it. Okay. 
So then I'm pretty sure that my dad has smoked with Willie then. I say go with it. Uh, all right. Should have been a cowboy. By the way, that was just part one, if I hadn't already said that. We have an entire second installment coming next week with Toby. It was an ex- well, How long was that interview, Travis? Like 50? It was, it was a long, it was an awesome interview. If you liked part one, and if you did, I don't know what you just listened to. Part two, I mean, it's, it was an awesome interview. One of my favorites to listen to. One of my favorite parts of part two coming up is the Red Solo Cup phenomenon. How does that song end up in the top 20 of the Billboard Hot 100? I mean, what in the hell? And the video was equally hilarious. And I can't wait for you guys to hear that next week. All right. Thank you so much to Toby for giving us all that time. Again, part two coming next week. And the boys and me will be back next week to try to solve some more of the world's problems. I didn't even discuss Eric Church at Thompson Bowling Arena. We didn't even get to that yet. I didn't even discuss. I think you were on Luke Combs' tour bus. I mean, what? Where no, are, that, we? Where are we? That's doing? an old. That's an old. That was from the yeah. summer. We can discuss that at some point as well. That was SEC Network has invested so deeply in Marty and McGee, and our gratitude. I mean, I can't believe it. I'm so happy and so thankful. And one of the things that we did was when South on you became the anthem of the Southeastern Conference, we did some commercial shoots with Luke. And I should break those down and we can air them on the YouTube channel because they're funny. They are very funny. And that dude is naturally hilarious, self-deprecating. So we'll get into that another time. But I can't wait for y'all to hear part two with Toby Keith. Again, the boys and me will be back next week for another round. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much to our law enforcement officials all over the country working hard to keep our community safe. Thank you to our firemen and first responders and EMTs for running into the fire to help save lives everywhere. And thank you so much to all of you who have served and continue to serve in the United States military. We are so full of gratitude. We are free. And you guys and your sacrifice are the reason. Thank you. This is the Marty Smith Podcast at Outsider. I'm Marty for Travis, Wes, and Brandon. We say thank you for investing in us. Please, what is it, Travis? Rate, review, follow. Rate, review, and follow. It matters, y'all. Listen, it matters that you do that because the more that you do that, The way all the algorithms work, it introduces us to other people who like this brand of content. So thank you for doing that. Please do it. Have a great week. We appreciate you. Y'all be good. We'll try to do better next time around.